Amen. Well, we're starting a series this morning that I'm excited about. As we kind of journey towards Easter, uh, we're going to be talking over the next four weeks uh, about famous last words, the famous last words of Jesus. Now, I was thinking this week about some famous last words uh, you know, as pe- that people have said. I have some for you. Nostradamus said this, his famous last words, tomorrow at sunrise, I will no longer be here. Loser Javis said that before he died. Uh, Frank Sinatra said, I'm losing it. Those are his famous last words. (laughs) Harriet Tubman, swing low, sweet chariot. And then she went. Pistol Pete Maravich, one of the the great basketball players, right? Uh, I did a report on him when I was in elementary school. Uh, And uh, it was, it was, (laughs) yeah, yeah, whatever. I did a report on him when I was in elementary school, uh, and uh, he actually died in a pickup game. He was outside playing basketball, and his famous last words were, I feel great, I feel great. Those are the last words he ever said. Elvis Presley, one of the last, some of the last words he said, I'm going to the bathroom to read. <laughs> and then he went, and he, and he, and he died. Those are some famous last words. Over the next four weeks, we're going to take a look at some of uh, a lot more serious famous last words. Right? As we look into the life of Jesus, especially uh, as the, the, uh, we're going to read basically the crucifixion story of Jesus over the next four weeks. And some of the, some of the last words that Jesus says uh, as he's hanging on the cross. Some of the last words that he would ever say while he's alive on earth. And we're going to take a look at four of those phrases, four of those last words uh, over the next four weeks. The first one that we're going to look at is in the book of Luke. So if you turn with me to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 23, and we're going to start uh, at verse 32. Luke chapter 23, starting at verse 32. Here's what it says. Two other men, both criminals, were also led out with him to be executed. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. I want to push the pause button right now, because I realize we jumped way ahead in the story, and I want to kind of go back and say, this is, how did we get to this point, right? How do we get to this point where Jesus... Is, is going with these two criminals to the place called the skull where they crucified him. Right? Jesus, Jesus Christ, Son of God, born of the Virgin Mary, came to earth, lived the life that we could not live, like lived a sinless life so that he could come and we, he, could, he could die the death that we deserve to die so that we could live with him Forever, right? we've 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 kind of noted those three things over the last over the last year or so as we've as we've gone through, right? But Jesus Jesus Christ, his life, he was born. He he was a man who who loved everyone, right? Jesus just would would be walking and teaching and healing. He would touch people's eyes and they would be healed, right? He would touch people's ears and they could hear again. He brought dead people back to life. He loved those who society rejected. This is the way that Jesus lived. Jesus did nothing wrong in his entire life. He lived his life with no sin. And even though that is true, Jesus was betrayed by one of his own. 
Judas comes in the garden and he gives him a kiss and gives Jesus away. And Jesus, as he, as he <laughs> Peter, right, in defense of Jesus, cuts off a guy's ear. And Jesus reaches down and he puts the ear back on. Even, even at the time where Jesus is, is being captured, right, he's being arrested to go and to face a, a trial, even though he's done nothing wrong, even in the midst of this, he still is a man of love and he still is a man of mercy who says, no, this, isn't, this is not right. Let me put your ear back on. Let me heal you, even though you're about to take me to a trial that I don't deserve to go to. And so Jesus, he goes to this trial. Doesn't really say a word. Very few words. Accusations are coming against Jesus. And the crowd just, I can hear this in the back of my head, Barabbas, Barabbas. Bring us Barabbas. Crucify him. Crucify him. And Pilate even says, I, I don't find any wrongdoing in this man. But he hands him over to be crucified. As he hands him over, the, the guards, they, they beat him. They strip him. They mock him. They're beating him with whips that are filled with bone and glass and metal. As, and you can just, the, the, the back of Jesus is just torn wide open as they whip him. They mock him. They put a crown of thorns on him. And they hail the king of the Jews, the king of the Jews. Here's just Jesus claiming to be the king of the Jews. They put a blindfold on him and... They start punching him, and these, these Romans are, are famous for having these great big rings on their fingers, right? They start punching him, and they, they're blindfolded. Prophesy, who hit you? Tell us who hit you. Prophesy. No words from Jesus. They beat him. They mock him. They insult him. And they make him pick up his own cross and carry it to the place where they would crucify him. Jesus, who's probably fighting to stay conscious at this point, carrying his own cross, doesn't say much the entire time, according to the Gospels. There's very little that Jesus says. But as they lift him up, in between these, these two criminals, his lips begin to move. You can imagine the people that were there. What is he going to say? If he is who he says he is, maybe he's praying that God would come and, and take him down. Maybe he's praying that God would just end this. Maybe he's praying that God would just come and, come and end these people that are mocking me, that are doing all of this. But Jesus says something completely different. Here's what he says in verse 34. Jesus said, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Think about this with me. Jesus is, is hanging on the cross, 
after being beaten and mocked and, and, and just made, made ashamed of. He's naked. He's, he's been beaten. He's had a crown of thorns put on his head. He's bruised. He's bloodied, right? There's, there's the Old, Old Testament says that there, they, they didn't even look like a man, right? This is how bad Jesus is beaten. And Jesus opens his mouth and he says these words, Father, forgive them. They do not know what they are doing. Man, these, these last words are hugely significant for us. And they should be significant for us for a variety of reasons. Right, first of all, this, this, even just this saying is a fulfillment of some Old Testament prophecy. Right, you turn to the book of Isaiah with me, Isaiah 53. Isaiah 53. Starting at verse 4. Some of these words will sound familiar, I think. I hope. We'll skip around just a little bit. By Isaiah chapter 53, starting at verse 4. Surely he took up our pain and bore our suffering. Yet we considered him punished by God, stricken by him and afflicted. But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him. And by his wounds... We are healed. Like sheep, we have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid upon him the iniquity of us all. He was oppressed and afflicted, yet he did not open his mouth. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before its shears is silent, so, so he did not open his mouth. Skip down with me to verse 12. About halfway through, he says, Because he poured out his life, Unto death, and was numbered with the transgressors. Who was hanging next to him? Two criminals. He was numbered with the transgressors, for he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. Think about that. He, he bore the sins of many and made intercession for the transgressors. What's intercession? Intercession is just it's prayer. He prayed for those who were, who were for the transgressors. What do we read in, in Luke? He's hanging between two criminals. And the prayer, and he prays, Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they're doing. This, this, these words of Jesus, these, these famous last words, if you will, of Jesus are, are important because they fulfill some Old Testament scripture in, in the book of Isaiah. Right, they're also significant because Jesus here is modeling the importance of prayer. Right, Jesus begins his ministry in prayer. Right? One, of, one of the most famous sermons that we have, Sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter 5, 6, and 7. In the middle of chapter 6, Jesus is praying, and he teaches us how to pray. Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive our trespassers as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory for and ever and ever. Amen. It teaches us how to pray. And then at the very end of his life, Jesus is, is praying. He's praying. And, and, and I think this is this is important because who, who is he praying for? He's not praying for, for, for just those. He's not, 
He's not praying for his disciples who would come after him and, and, and move along this mission. And one of his last prayers is, isn't for the people who were following him. It's for the people who weren't. He's praying for his enemies. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. These people who have just beaten me, who have crucified me, who have hung me on this cross, these people who, who mocked me and put this crown of thorns on my head, the people who, who have basically disfigured me, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's praying for his enemies. Now, how many times have we thought this? I'm guilty of this. I'm not just getting on you this morning. How many times have we thought this? Yeah, they might just be a little too far gone. I don't know if they will ever, I don't know if they'll ever come to know God. I don't know if they'll ever make this decision to come to Christ. I don't know if they will ever take a step towards Jesus. And here we have Jesus in his last moments, last moments before his dying breath. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. I think this is a, a great model for us as we, as we think about praying, as we think about our life of prayer. A great, a great example for us to never, ever, 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 ever give up on the people that we're praying for. Jesus, to the, to the most, the people who, who literally kill him. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. And not only is he, he a model of, of, of just the importance of prayer, I think he's a model of, of what to pray for. Right? I think he, he, he understands what our greatest need is as human beings. And his greatest need is forgiveness. Right? You see it in even some of his, some of his interactions with people. Right? Jesus, uh, a man comes to Jesus, and Jesus' first words to him are, your sins are forgiven. And people ask him, like, what authority do you have to forgive sins? Jesus says, so that you may know that I have the authority of the Father to forgive sins. Take your mat and get up and go home. Right? But it wasn't the healing first and then forgiven. It was, it was just leading off with forgiveness. Right? Jesus understood that our, our number one need as human beings is forgiveness. And I think that's a, a great model for us as, as we pray. Like we're praying for, for our greatest need. It's why he came, right? When, when we talk about communion, this is my body, which is broken for you. This is my blood, which is shed for you. Why? Shed for the, for the forgiveness of sins, Jesus says. This is why I came. I came for the forgiveness of sins. I came for, for the forgiveness of other people. And, and I love this phrase. I love the phrase, for they don't know what they're doing. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. As I think about that, I was thinking about that this week. I was thinking about why would Jesus pray that part? Why would Jesus need to, to add that in? Why couldn't Jesus say, Father, forgive them? Why did he have to say, for they don't know what they're doing? And I was thinking about that this week, and I think what kept coming into my mind is this, this phrase, ignorance does not equal innocence. Ignorance does not equal innocence. I think as we pray, 
We pray for those who don't know. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They don't know what they're doing. They may be ignorant to you, God, but they are not innocent. Father, forgive them. Father, give me an opportunity to, to be a light to them. They don't know what they're doing. So how do, how do we... How do we respond? How can we take these, 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 these famous last words of Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How do we take this and apply it to our lives? What can we take from this? How do we respond to this? Right, we gotta, we got to realize this is one of, the, one of the five to seven phrases that Jesus says while he's on the cross and that we have in the Gospels. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. How can we take these last words of Jesus? The, if I was going to say something one last time, I would say things that are really important for my people to understand. I think there's a reason why the gospel writers put this in there. There's a reason why we have these words in our scripture. Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. How can we respond to these last words? How can, we, how can, we, how can our lives change because of these famous last words? I think here's the first thing. I think we need to pray for the people who hurt us. Amen. We need to pray for the people who hurt us. I know for a fact there are people in this room right now who are hurting, who are going through some tough times of no fault of your own. There's someone in your life that has said something or done something that just hurts you deeply. I think our example from Jesus here is to to pray for those people. To pray for those who hurt you. And I'm talking about a good prayer, not a bad prayer. There was a song a couple years ago. It might have been a long, it might have been five years ago. Now I don't know. He's talking about this, this guy who was singing, I'm pretty sure it was about a breakup, and his, his whole thing was, I'll pray for you, right? I'll pray that you, that you get hit by a car. I'll pray that you, you know, I'll pray all these different things. Like, I'll, I'll pray for you. I'll pray for you. Hurt me. I will pray for you. I'm going to pray that all these bad things begin to happen to you. This is not how we pray. <laughs> we pray for good for the people that hurt us. Right? That Jesus, when he prayed for these people, Father, forgive them. What was he praying? Father, I want them to be right with you. Not, Father, they killed me. Give them what they deserve. Father, send your angels down right now and just take these people out. James and John might have said that, right? The sons of thunder, right? They might have been the ones to call down fire from heaven on these people, right? Jesus did not do that. Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He prayed for the people that hurt him. And he prayed good things, not bad. If you turn back to Luke chapter 6, Luke chapter 6. Verse 27 to 36 talks about this 
this kind of what we're talking about here, praying for the people that hurt us. Luke chapter 6, starting at verse 27. But to you who are listening, I say this. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. If someone slaps you on one cheek, turn to the other also. If someone takes your coat, do not withhold your shirt from them. Give to everyone who asks you, and if anyone takes what belongs to you, do not demand it back. Do to others as you would have them do to you. If you love those who love you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners love those who love them. And, and, it, and, it, and if you do good to those who are, who are good to you, what credit is that to you? Even sinners do that. And if you lend to those from whom you expect repayment, what credit is that to you? Even sinners lend to sinners, expecting to be repaid in full. But love your enemies, do good to them, and lend to them without expecting to get anything back. Then your reward will be great, and you will be children of the Most High, because he is kind to the ungrateful and wicked. Be merciful, just as your Father is merciful. Now, there's this phrase up here, right? Bless those who curse you. Pray for those who mistreat you. Now, to say that Jesus was, was mistreated would probably be the understatement of the century. Jesus was not just mistreated. Jesus was, was beaten and killed, right? Jesus was, was murdered, in a sense. And Jesus prays for them. And he prays good things over them. As I was getting ready, I read a story this week, and I'm, I'm not sure if it's real or not, but it illustrates the point. So there's this, right? There's a guy who gets bitten by a dog, and he gets rabies. <laughs> All good stories start like that, right? Guy who gets bitten by a dog and gets rabies. He waits a long time before he goes to the doctor. Rabies just keeps getting worse and worse and worse. Goes to the doctor, the doctor says, it's too late. I can't do anything for you. You waited too long to come in. So the guy starts to, to make a list. And the doctor says, oh, these, are these all the people that, that you want to, to be notified? And he says, no, these are all the people I don't like. I'm going to go bite them before I die. <laughs> now, that's one way to treat the people who have hurt you. Right? The other way is to do what Jesus is doing here, and he's, he's praying for them. And, and, and Jesus' context, think about this. Jesus is growing up in a place where literally the law of the land is eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. We hear that in Luke chapter 6. If someone asks you for a coat, give them your shirt also. Jesus always takes it a step further. In Matthew chapter 6, you've heard it said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I tell you, and Jesus kind of flips this on his head, but this is the, the kind of place that Jesus is, is growing up in, the kind of place that Jesus is, is from. Right? And he's, in, he's kind of under this Roman rule, right? And this Roman rule is, the, the Roman rule is really of, of revenge. Right? If you do this to me, I'm going to do this back to you and probably ten times worse. This is the kind of culture that Jesus is, is growing up and Jesus is doing ministry in. And Jesus is being beaten and mocked and, and crucified, and he says, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He, he prayed for them. Here's what I want you to think about this morning. 
Who do you need to forgive? Who has hurt you that you need to pray this prayer over them? Father, forgive them. A lot of the times, can I tell you this, the, the, the person that's harboring the bitterness is the only one that's harboring anything. More often than not, the, the, the lack of forgiveness that you give to someone is only hurting you because a lot of times they don't even know that they did anything wrong to hurt you. And so this prayer, Father, forgive them, they, they don't know what they're doing, is, is probably really true in a lot of our circumstances. Father, forgive them, they don't even know that they hurt me. But God, this hurts so bad. This cut me so deep. Father, forgive them. Who, who is it that hurt you? Who do you need to forgive? And I'll just challenge you as you, as you continue listening this morning. If a name pops in your head, just write it down. And pray over that name this week. Pray over that forgiveness this week. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So we see that we need to to pray for the people who hurt us. But lastly, I think we need to pray for, for restoration. We don't just pray for them. We pray for restoration. Man, like I was saying, Jesus says, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Jesus could have prayed anything over these people. And he says, Father, forgive them. Father, I want them to be right with you. I want restoration here, Father. Jesus is saying this, as he's, as he's nailed to a cross, as he's dying, as he's getting ready to take his last breath, Father, forgive them. Father, restoration can come to this situation. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. We pray for restoration. And even in Romans 12, right? Don't repay evil for evil. Don't take revenge, right? As much as it depends on you, live at peace with everyone, right? This is what Paul is telling us to do, right? There's a... I've, I've seen this in my own life. I've seen this kind of restoration in real life, in my own life. Some of you know a lot about my, my dad and how my relationship with my dad is. You know that, that my dad and my mom got a divorce after there was an affair, and I had a hard time with that. Hard time with God, hard time especially with my dad. I think it was five or six years ago. I have it on our calendar at home every year. There's a circle with the year anniversary of this that happened. I get a phone call from my dad. He says, Chris, I need to come and talk to you. We lived in Lompoc at the time, down on the coast. My dad lives in Huntington Beach at the time. So he takes the trip up the coast and comes and I meet him at our church. He didn't even come to our house until later. We go into this room of the church and he just begins to apologize. To this day, I don't think I've ever seen my dad so genuine in the words that he was saying. He was apologizing for everything that he'd put me through in our life for not being there when I was a kid, for not coming to my basketball games, for being more or less an absent father. 
And there was a moment of reconciliation. There was a moment of forgiveness that we left different than when we came because of that reconciliation there. This is what God desires of us in our relationships. For this reconciliation to happen, for for things to be made right, for restoration to take place in your life and in my life, with your life and the people who have hurt you. Jesus, as he's hanging on the cross, Father, forgive them. Father, this can be made right again. Father, I want the best for them. Father, I want them to come to know you. Father, this can be restored again. This is what Jesus came for. That's what I want us to hear this morning. I think as as Jesus is, is hanging on the cross and he prays this prayer, Father, forgive them for they don't know what they're doing. He's praying for their forgiveness of the people that have, that have hurt him physically the worst that he could be hurt. They're, they've literally killed him. They've, they've hung him on a cross. They've beaten him. They've, they've bruised him. They've poked a, 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 a staff through his side. They've done all this stuff to him. And he's able to pray, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. He's praying for the people who's hurt him. And he's praying not just, he's not just praying for them that they would be forgiven. He's praying for restoration for them. God, this can be made whole again. God, you are the God of making things whole, taking things that were broken and making them new again. God, you can do this in their lives. Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Now, how in the world can we do this? I mean, we're talking about Jesus here. Jesus, the the Son of God. Of course, Jesus, the Son of God, has no problem being killed and being able to say, Father, forgive them. How can we forgive? How can this be our story as well? How can the story of Jesus being able to forgive and, and pray for restoration with the people that hurt him the most be our story as we go through life and we are hurt, as we pray for the people who hurt us, as we pray for restoration for the people who have hurt us? How can this be our story? Well, if you turn with me to the book of Colossians, Colossians chapter 3. Starting at verse 12. This is one of those verses, if you don't have it underlined or highlighted in your Bible, and that's something you do, this is one of those verses. It says this, Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. These are the characteristics that, that Paul is telling us to have here. Clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Then he goes on. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these things put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. I don't think there's a better time to talk about how the Lord forgave you than as we think about the last words of Jesus as he's hanging on a cross. 
Why is he even on that cross? Because while you were still a sinner and while I was still a sinner, Christ died for you and for me. How can we do this? Put on compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, patience. Bear with each other. Forgive one another if you have a grievance. Forgive as your Father has forgiven you. There's another passage in Matthew chapter 6, if you want to turn there with me. Matthew chapter 6, this is part of the Sermon on the Mount that I was talking about earlier. In fact, this is immediately following the Lord's Prayer that he, that he prays. 6.14 says this, But if you forgive other people when they sin against you, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive others their sins, your Father will not forgive your sins. Straight from the mouth of Jesus. If you forgive, God forgives you. If you don't forgive, God does not forgive you. How do we do this? Well, it's not a natural thing for us. It's not natural just to take the hurt and to take the pain and to turn that around and say, you know what, I forgive you. We've talked about being a disciple and holding on so loosely to the things of this world and so tightly on to the things of Christ. This is, what, this is where that comes in. as we hold tightly onto Christ and we allow the Spirit to live in and through us, as we become sanctified through and through. It's no longer I that live, but it's Christ living in me. This becomes a reality that we're able to say, I forgive you. You have hurt me. And it doesn't, forgiveness doesn't mean that I forget about the pain that you caused. But it means every single day I choose to forgive you. I choose to forgive you. Oftentimes that pain doesn't just leave. It doesn't just go away. It's always going to be there. And it's always going to be a tool that Satan can use to say, remember this? Remember what they did to you? Why would you forgive them? Bring this back up again. Bring it back up again. I wonder this morning if there's anybody that you need to forgive. I wonder if there's anybody this morning that God is just bringing to your heart that you need to just say a prayer this morning and begin this forgiveness process. Today I choose to forgive you. You hurt me. You hurt me deep. You hurt me bad. But I choose to forgive. Because the example of Jesus as he's hanging on the cross and he says, Jesus, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. I wonder if there's someone you need to forgive. And what I want to do this morning, I just want to provide space for you to do that.
I want to provide space at these altars this morning. We're going to end our time this morning in prayer before our blessing. And if there's someone that you need to forgive, I pray, I, my prayer is that you would just come up and just lay that at the feet of Jesus at the altar. And just pray that God would help you in this process of forgiveness. That, that even though these people, that are, they've, they've hurt you and they've hurt you bad, Father, forgive them. I wonder if you have someone to forgive this morning. If you do, I just ask you to come forward this time as we pray.